Welcome back to the Colorado Switchblade. I'm your host, Jason Van Tatenhove, coming to you out of Bestis Park, Colorado. Man, the hits just keep coming, don't they? They really do. Well, today we're going to talk about what the duck is monkeypox and whether we need to worry about it. Yet another looming thing on the horizon, but I mean, at least monkeypox doesn't have guns killing people. The most recent news in, in mass shooting casualties uh, comes out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, where a man who underwent back surgery last month stormed a medical facility, a hospital campus on Wednesday, yesterday, and killed four people, including the doctor who performed the surgery with two guns he had purchased in recent days. The authorities said his weapons included an AR-15 style rifle he bought literally hours before he, he went on the killing spree. Chief Wendell Franklin of the Tulsa police said officers arrived at the medical office building on the campus of St. Francis Hospital just before 5 p.m. This is according to the New York Times. Within minutes of the gunfire starting and rushed towards the site of the shooting, Chief Franklin said they found four victims, including two doctors. The gunman, who the chief said fatally shot himself, had been carrying a letter saying he blamed his surgeon for continuing back pain and intended to kill anyone who got in his way of killing the doctor. This one is especially heart-wrenching for me because as many of my listeners know and my readers know, my wife has dealt with just nightmarish, unrelenting, all-consuming chronic pain for really the last 25 years of her life. It, I mean, the only respite she gets sometimes is sleep. And with the way the political climate has, has blown, those winds have blown in a way that chronic pain patients are just giving up hope. There are just exponential rises in, in suicide rates amongst pain patients right now. And unfortunately now, we seem to be seeing a trend of some of these, these chronic pain patients going after the people they see, they perceive as, as being able to help but refusing to. And it's, it's a tough situation. Trust me, I know. But buying an AR-15 and, and going on a rampage is, is never the answer. You know, my, my wife basically tried, she, she, she drank herself to death. If I'm, if I'm being completely forthright and honest, because she had no hope. And that's part of the problem is the loss of hope, especially with the change in policy that we saw with the CDC in 2016. It's just been disastrous. You have people who have lived their lives. And then if they've had a chronic pain condition and that, that semblance of a real life gets yanked away from them because they no longer have anything. And this is just, unfortunately, this is not the first time a chronic pain patient has gone on a rampage. For a fact, 
literally just today, yesterday, sorry, yesterday, a man that was accused of shooting five staffers at a clinic in Buffalo, Minnesota, injuring four and killing one, testified uh, in his trial today. Gregory Ulrich, 68. Um, targeted the Alina Health and Buffalo Crossroads Clinic in February of 2021 last year after doctors stopped prescribing opioids for his pain. And um, don't get me wrong, it, it's never, ever okay to take this type of action. But unfortunately, I think that we're going to see more of these because part of it is there's these seeds that, get into like the cultural subconsciousness. You know, we saw it after Columbine where, you know, it kicked off this, this stream of school shootings that we're, we're still seeing continuously to this day. And unfortunately, human nature is if, if you're in pain and just lose hope, your, your mind goes to dark places. Some people turn on themselves and apparently a small percentage of people now now are turning it towards violence towards other people which is not the answer but we we have an easy answer in this case like we know that the CDC guidelines from 2016 are are garbage or trash they have nothing to do with chronic pain patient treatment that is in any way humane you know my I, I had to advocate for my wife after she died just to get her the smallest dose of a pain medication for literally like seven months before they would even do it. She was dead for three minutes. Um, Dr. Mark Ibsen, who who is called the Robin Hood of pain patients, um, who stood up for pain patients, he had a heart attack just before he came on the show earlier this year. And... And then after his heart attack and open heart surgery and stints, nothing. No, they, they wouldn't give it to a medical doctor. Um, you know, and we know fentanyl is is as easy to find as you can, you know, as as <laughs> driving down to Denver, probably not even that far. I mean, it's everywhere. We know that. But the answer is not cutting off chronic pain patients. It's unfortunately just gonna make make them desperate and desperate people do desperate things. I wrote a, I'm going to subject you to bad poetry. Now I wrote a poem about this uh, a while back uh, during all the, the, the happenings with my wife when she was, uh, you know, she was in a medically induced coma for a week with cascading system failures. And, you know, I had a lot of time to think about things and, and part of my outlet always is, is writing um, and this is something I came up with after this, we're going to, we're going to get into, uh, the interview about, uh, with John Meissner about monkeypox and, and the actual dangers it, it has, not the hype, not the, we're, we're going to get a good history of monkeypox, but I'm going to subject you all to some bad poetry first. And it, it kind of, the reason I'm reading it is because it, it, I feel it kind of deals with this issue that, you know, people change when they're. They're subjected to chronic, unrelenting pain nonstop. It's entitled The Demons Creep In. And it's short, don't worry. The demons creep in, hungry, 
into the dark spaces left empty by lost and shattered dreams, into the space occupied now by pain that seeped in through all the little cracks, replacing the joy that life once brought. And over time, they fester, infecting the whole organism of a life lived, a life no longer lived, no longer comparable to the prismacolor it had once been. Just a cracked, empty husk, punctuated and underscored by constant, unrelenting, nightmarish pain. Even sleep brings no respite. And that pain twists the heart, mind, and soul until it's no longer recognizable. In those twisted, gray, monotone shadows, the demons start to creep in like a stinking black mold taking root, starting here and there, scattered and incoherent, but over time, glut themselves on that pain, growing strong and nourished by despair and loss of hope. They take over and possess the host, driving them to inhumane acts of violence and blood. Only the new light of hope and compassion can shine through to these hidden dark spaces now blooming with thoughts of violence and self-harm. That is the only way out that doesn't end in more cycles of pain and destruction. The means are there to stay the pain, a little bit anyway, to bring back a little of the color lost. They are just right there, just beyond the nurses and doctors that do nothing again and again just beyond the lost humanity and instinct to care. They are jare, just past the politics of medicine and scapegoated reasons. If we can just become human again. The demons are hungry like corporate greed, and they creep in. All right. I never said I was a good poet. <laughs> never once claimed that. I don't even claim to be a good writer. I, uh, you know, only ever claim to be a hack writer. Nothing more. I'm pretty much a hack in everything I do. But, you know, I'm a decent hack at a lot of things. I'm pretty good at some things. All right. So, first off, I want to I wanna thank my sponsors. I know it's a little late in the episode to do that. But I want to thank the uh, Historic Park Theater and the, um, the Real Mountain Theater here in Estes Park. Um, lots of great movies coming out, man. Just click on one of the banners down below. If you're looking for something to do this weekend, just find something. It, it, it's such a great escape. <laughs> oh, and I tell you what, we, we need a little bit of escape with the way the world just keeps coming at us. I don't think it's getting any better anytime soon. I think it's just going to get a little harder and harder and harder. It's going to get worse before it gets worse, but what can you do? Just try to find your Zen where you can. Try to, to find your little bits of light in life. That's what I'm going to keep doing. All right, before we get into the interview with John Meissner, who you'll remember from previous episodes, I think it's been on like three times now, um, usually about some election he's, uh, he's uh, uh, running for on different various town boards. And, uh, you know, he's kind of a rebel rouser in town, but... He's and a historian. He, he actually does a lot of historical work here in town. But 
a lot of you may not know, he's been a medical doctor like his whole career. And um, he uh, he studied at Duke University and went abroad. And his, his, his specialty was, you know, lab work with viruses. So, uh, you know, and he did this, you know, in Russia. He did it in Japan. He's done it here. Um, so what a great resource that we have living right here in Estes Park. So I thought, you know what, let's just let's just talk about the monkeypox. And he gives us a really good history of of uh the monkeypox and and smallpox and and related different um diseases and uh you know kind of breaks it down so that it's not all just fear clickbait but that you know there are yes it's something to be concerned about but there are steps we can take to to keep ourselves safe so i'm just going to let john talk about it and jump right in uh, i do want to thank my sponsors for today's podcast the um, Historic Park Theater and the Real Mountain Theater. Man, there's so many good movies coming out. There, there's like so many right now. Like just click on the links at the bottom of the uh, the show article, and it'll bring you right up to the schedule of what's playing this weekend. So then, if you're up in Estes visiting, like it's always a great time to take in a movie, especially in Estes. Like everything rolls up at eight o'clock, nine o'clock, and uh, there's not much else to do. So uh, yeah. All right, let's have a conversation with John Meissner about the monkeypox. All right, folks, we are back with John Meissner. And John, I, I reached out to John because we have had our first two confirmed cases now of monkeypox here in Colorado. Now they're connected, but, um, you know, I feel like uh, you really just need to get in touch with people and, and get them talking about things that really know what they're talking about. And John, thanks for coming back on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me back. Now, for for those listeners that may be new or didn't catch some of the previous interviews we've done, could you just go over specifically your medical doctorate history and and some of the work you've done through the entirety of your career? Sure. Really. So just introduce yourself again. So I went to Lincoln, University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and um, got a degree in biological sciences and worked in a laboratory there and got interested in lab work and so applied to Duke University in North Carolina. And they had a very interesting, still do, um, medical program at that time where they strongly emphasized research at the bench. Uh, One of the few schools that has an entire year devoted to doing research. So they crammed two years of book learning into one year which is why nobody from Duke does well when they take their boards, because they haven't done all the book work. Um, But then they have a year where you can go do research at the bench. In fact, required to go do research. Most people stay in the North Carolina area to do whatever field they're interested in. I was uh, interested in in papillomavirus, and so I had been to Japan in high school on a summer exchange, and so there was a really good lab there in Tokyo that was doing cutting-edge papillomavirus research. Papillomavirus is a DNA virus. It's a small virus. It doesn't have an envelope, so that means it doesn't have a cell membrane surrounding it. It's just kind of naked. Uh, And it causes skin warts, and at that time people were starting to speculate that it might be the cause of certain types of genital cancers. Um, And so I went over to Tokyo, and I actually ended up spending two years there. So I graduated not with my class in medical school, but came back and graduated with the next year's class. And again, liked it so much 
um, that I decided, hey, I want to do research more than I want to work uh, at the bedside. Although, again, I like working in hospitals, but I said I want to really do research and see what I can do with it. So stayed at Duke, went to North Carolina in Raleigh, or sorry, in Chapel Hill, which was about eight miles from Durham. And again, always with viruses, initially with papillomavirus, ultimately got down to Georgia, worked both at the University of Georgia in Athens and then went to the CDC in Atlanta. And at that point, I was working with some really nasty viruses, although um, they were all inactive, and I was just doing DNA sequencing. We talked about that last time. I'm just trying to get the genetic um, material decoded, just like reading a book or putting, you know, typing on a page uh, and get the, the letters down so you know, here's what these viruses are encoding. Here's what they're um, directing the cell to do protein-wise to make. Um, and so again, everything was inactive. I wasn't in any kind of biocontainment facilities because these were all dead viruses by that time. It was just their DNA or RNA that had been extracted. And so um, ultimately, I went to Russia, we'll cut this short, and was working with a Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever virus whose um, vector, whose reservoir, whose animal carrier was ticks. And so this was a tick-borne disease that was found in parts of Crimea and parts of Africa and the Congo, and it was causing severe hemorrhagic fevers and high mortality rate. And so they were just interested in, again, learning more about it because when you get the genetics, you can then develop tests. So you can develop real rapid tests to say, hey, is this person presents, he's bleeding out of his ears and his eyes and his nose. Is this... Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever, or is it something different? And so you take a sample and you just run it through a machine and you get the answer. So um, when I was in Russia, I was going to work with smallpox. There was only two facilities after smallpox was eradicated. Uh, and I, it's in quotes. I, again, I'm hopeful that it really is eradicated. Humans are the only known reservoir for smallpox. So... Uh, the, the, the facility I was at was one of the two that had uh, the approval from the WHO of keeping um, stocks, working with the stocks, and the other one was the CDC in Atlanta. Um, but that program, the funding cut off, and so I was like this close to sequencing one of their strains that, that the Americans were very interested in because they, they didn't know how different it was from the strains that they had in their freezers. But funding cut off, and so I came home, and so I, I, I prepared. I learned all about smallpox, and, and, and then turned out I didn't use any of that information. But here's an interesting thing that, you know, came up in the last month, that we've got monkeypox presenting. Um, and so I think that's why you invited me, so we could talk about monkeypox, and yeah. I can kind of tell you. Um, yes. what the differences are and, and how it's related. So can you, yeah, let's jump right into sure. that. What, so what so, is monkeypox for those so, people like me who have no idea? Right, so when you get to the pox viruses, you talk about V. V is for vendetta, but in this case, V is for virus. And so smallpox is actually very old. We're one of the few, English is one of the few languages where we call it smallpox. Uh, it's generally some derivative of, of variola. Uh, and then the vaccine that's used to prevent smallpox is vaccinia. Vaccinia, vaca means cow. And so the, the initial vaccines that, that Jenner worked with were produced from cows, a, a cowpox. 
Pox again just means the the bumps, the spots, the pustules, the boils, the boils. Yep. Um, and so that's a vaccinia virus, another V virus. And then the ones this always gets confused with, and even now on social media, everyone's saying, "I don't think this is monkeypox. I think this is chickenpox." Chickenpox is a completely unrelated virus. It's from herpes virus family. Uh, that cause herpes simplex and cause cytomegalovirus and in this case causes varicella, another V, varicella, uh, again causing bumps, uh, but a completely different family and completely unrelated genetically to the pox viruses. So smallpox has been known since before Christ. Uh, it generally, since it's only got humans as a, as a known reservoir, it, it is transmitted easier when humans get together. So when we started farming, rather than just hunter-gathering is when it, it appeared. And so when you get big groups of population together is when it goes rampantly wild. And it was, it was a horrific disease in the 1700s and 1800s uh, in Europe. Uh, and actually the Chinese and other groups had, had started vaccinating uh, from the actual lesions, from the smallpox pustules, and then they kind of scab over. And so if they took some of that material and ground it up and then injected it into another person, it was protective. Kind of um, like on that, that uh, what was it, John Adams series where they had the, the smallpox and they took the, yeah. the quills and they... It, it's they, very they, interesting that you bring that up because Jenner at that time was developing it over in England. And so the English military was being uh, vaccinated. Our side wasn't. And so Washington lost some of the first battles because his troops were ill with smallpox. Right. So then they started vaccinating our military. Uh, and so then we had a little more success as, as the war progressed. So, right. So that was, that was vaccination. And that would have been with cowpox because Jenner had found that these milkmaids, this is the classic story, milkmaids uh, generally were female and didn't get the smallpox uh, infection and didn't have the lesions that, that smallpox leaves. Smallpox, if you survive it, and most people, 70% of the people at that time did, left horrible scarring. So after these pustules form and then they form the, the scabs and those scabs break off, break off, you have no melanin and you just got these pitting scars. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's unattractive. And so these smooth-skinned, very attractive milkmaids were all somehow, hey, how are they avoiding this? Well, because they were working with cows and the cows had cowpox. And so when they were directly in contact with the udders, that would pass to them. And so that was protective. Oh, okay. um, so that's what Jenner worked with. So who's, who's this Jenner you keep? So Edward Jenner was a, was a surgeon, actually, in England and studied, very interested in, in natural, like bird life and wrote a lot of papers and really, really never became, he, he became somewhat famous from his work with cowpox and developing the, the vaccinia virus that was safer. The reason, the reason that smallpox is not a great vaccine is because it's still a live virus. Uh, and so it's infectious. And so yes, it, it was protective provided you didn't get smallpox and one to 2% of people did get smallpox. Cowpox provided the protection without providing, you know, without causing the same kind of illness. Uh, and so it's interesting that, that vaccinia, again, this V virus vaccinia that we use to inoculate people and vaccinate people, starting in the 1800s and by the end of the World War II, into the, into the early 50s, we had no more cases of smallpox in America. Again, the rich countries did better than the poor countries. Um, and then smallpox was officially eradicated in the 70s, and last case was in Somalia in 1979. Um, 
But vaccinia that we call cowpox is actually closely related to horsepox because more closely than cowpox because when they were culturing it, they weren't exactly following great methods. And so they kind of got things mixed up. Ultimately, it doesn't matter, but it, it's very protective. Cowpox, monkeypox, all these things are closely related to smallpox, but don't cause the kind of severe uh, mortality, morbidity that smallpox causes. And every, practically every mammalian species has, has some pox virus that it carries. And so rats and prairie dogs and rhesus monkeys, all of them have a pox virus. And this was a case where with, with monkeypox, we had eradicated. We said smallpox is over. There's no more cases of smallpox. So we now wrote about it in the past tense. Like these were the symptoms of smallpox. Uh, and that was an, an, a remarkable undertaking in the 50s, 60s, and 70s to eradicate, again in quotes, eradicate smallpox so that we have actually made a virus that was a human pathogen extinct. First, first time we ever did that, we're working on polio. It's not there yet, but we're getting close. But so we can say, hey, this scourge is gone, this scourge is gone. And then all of a sudden, cases started turning up that looked exactly like smallpox with the lesions, with the, the fever, the lymph node smell, swelling. And then you start getting this macular papular rash, which is just like chicken skin. Okay. Um, and, and it's red. And then it suddenly gets these vesicles that are filled with a clear fluid. And then they're pustules because they're filled with this cloudy fluid as your immune system is fighting this off, and and so and then they just get confluent as it progresses if you haven't been able to fight it off. And so your whole face is just covered um, when you get these. And, and your arms, and especially on your palms and the soles of your feet, which is very unusual for a virus to cause that um, in those locations. One third of all blindness in Europe in the 1700s was caused by surviving really? smallpox. But because okay. it just went everywhere, every epithelial surface it would cause these, and then when they scarred, they would they would leave this horrific damage. So um, we eradicated it, but then, oh my gosh, here it is. Somebody's presenting with the same exact kind of symptoms and the same exact kind of distribution of these vesicles or these pustules. What is this? And again, this worry that, oh my gosh, maybe we haven't eradicated smallpox. So in the 70s, before we were sequencing, this is not a truth. I don't want you to walk away from this saying, oh, this is the way it is. Monkeypox and smallpox were considered almost identical. Now that we've sequenced them, we see, no, they're great differences. Monkeypox is much bigger as a genome than smallpox. Um, but they're presenting the same kind of symptoms. And so we did some work. We looked at it. We said, well, smallpox is eradicated, so this can't be smallpox. So it's coming from a reservoir that's that's not human. There's cases in, in Africa. And we say, okay, let's call this monkeypox until we know more about it. And again, we then researched more about it and found out the reservoirs. Found it. it was, again, a lot of different vectors. And so there were veterinarians in the United States that were working with ill prairie dogs. Some people keep prairie dogs as pets. And they were getting monkeypox. So it's don't just think monkeys... Uh, when you're, you know, in close contact with monkeys, it can be any mammal that, that, you know, accidentally got this thing because of contact and served as a reservoir and, and then <clears throat> transmitted it to a human that happened to come in contact with them. So in the, in the 70s and 80s, we saw more cases than now that we know what it is, that it's not smallpox. And so there were two kind of strains or variants. One was in Western uh, Africa. It had 1% 
mortality. One was in the Congo area, it had 10% mortality. So less than smallpox at its worst, which was, again, people say 30%. That wasn't true in the United States. Um, but, but again, not harmless. Right. Uh, and so it is interesting that it's this thing that kind of, you know, 10 cases a year in the, in the entire world, 20 cases a year. It's, a, it's an outlier. It's unusual. People forget about pox virus, especially the medical profession forgets about pox virus because they haven't seen it. Right. And so it's not in their differential diagnosis when somebody comes in that has got clearly a viral illness. And so I was just reading the first um, case in the United States was in Boston, and they were kind of baffled for a while. And of course, the, the primary care physician gave antibiotics, thinking maybe this is a bacterial infection. It wasn't getting better until that classic rash appears. No one knows. And even with that rash, it can get confused with adult chickenpox because it's slightly different. The 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 infectious disease expert that finally figured it out, the the bumps had umbilicated, which is like your umbilicus, just like the, your belly button. Right. So that means they got a little depressed right in the center. And that is classic for the pox virus kind of, of lesions. So she said, uh, I think this is, I think this has got to be and monkeypox. All the American cases are tracing back to a large rave event. Right. So all of it, it's, it's amazing that this rave uh, in the Canary yeah. Islands off, off Portugal, she got, when she started thinking monkeypox, she kind of typed in monkeypox and there were four cases being reported in Portugal and she's like, oh my gosh. So then it's like, let's trace this back. And again, contact, again, with chickenpox, with monkeypox. It has nothing, it's not sexually transmitted in that sense. It's just you're in close contact with somebody right. else and you're breathing or you're touching fabric or whatever. Um, and so, you know, just like the Native Americans that got smallpox from us, or the English giving them blankets. Right. So, yeah, that's, but this, that's where the cases right now started, and that's where they spread out, because this was a rave that attracted people from all over. Right. Uh, and so Canada started reporting cases. The UK has cases now. I think it's in 25 countries yeah. and nations. Uh, this weekend it was 250. Then on Monday it was uh, 400. So it's, it, the WHO says this is not, Anything to get concerned about. This is not going to become an epidemic, but this may be the tip of the iceberg because it has a long incubation time, 21 days where you're wow, potentially you be transmissible. Almost a month ago. Correct. And, and be, be interacting fine. with a lot of people. Right. And and again, for the first five days, get this kind of, oh, I feel kind of fluey. I've got, you know, headache. I've got a fever, but you have no way of knowing that right. that's smallpox. And so you will be in contact with other people and your clothing and your blankets and your everything that you're using, your dish towels. If anybody else picks those up, um, you have the chance to expose other people. Now, so. I, I remember in the 80s, they kind of demonized the gay community. Oh and again, gosh, yeah. there was the World Health Organization that just recently said yeah. this, you know, they, they put out a warning to gay and bisexual men. Um, that this is, is spreading. Is there any? No. I mean, that just seems like yeah, yeah. craziness to me. Luckily, again, be at, after HIV AIDS, we've gotten a lot smarter. We've gotten a lot more compassionate. Um, and we recognize that this is not anything. Again, even back then, that was one of the risk factors, but that wasn't the cause. This is the cause of HIV AIDS. Again, with this, very quickly, as we get up over a thousand cases, it will it will become clear that this is not related. I mean, it it's related to close contact. That's all it is. It has nothing to do with with sec, with 
homosexuals or anything about gay sex or any it's sex. Just, or any sex. As, again, it's not a sexually transmitted disease. It's a disease that comes through the air with aerosols and with close contact with touching. So the same exact things we're doing for uh, COVID, washing your hands and, you know. Does hand sanitizer work? Absolutely. All this stuff, it, it's, we're going to go right back to the beginning of COVID again with this. Well, at least that, we know. Yeah, it, you, you've, you've gone through a little uh, preparation and groundwork, and the same things are going to work. That, now, the, the good thing is, again, this is nothing to get worried. If you're not worried about COVID, you should definitely not be worried about monkeypox. Um, if you're worried about COVID, COVID is still the, the prime concern compared to monkeypox or any of the pox viruses. Um, we have a great vaccine. It's called yeah, Vaccinia. It it's what we use for smallpox, and, and we still have stores of it. For a long time, right? Well, yeah. Well, again, I mean, since Jenner, yeah. and and perfected with the with the you know bifurcated needle, and you just poke somebody. It's freeze dried, and you poke somebody twelve times subcutaneously, and you're good. Um, so we have that. We definitely have stocks of it. Our military, I think, is still being, although they may not be, because it's been forty plus years. Right. But our concern since the time of eradication is has been, is smallpox going to be reintroduced as a biological weapon? Right. And you can have labs that can, are able to synthesize. They don't even have to have the stocks. They can just order out and say, hey, could you make me this string of nucleotides? And if you combine enough strings of nucleotides, you can introduce it into any kind of cell line and out comes smallpox. So you don't have to have the original strains to produce something that's, that's again, it's 30%, or at, at the worst, it would be better for us because we have better health care now. But it's just that it's, we have no immunity. Again, we're talking about, just like with COVID, we hadn't been exposed to COVID before, so we had no natural, everybody talks about natural, we have no natural immunity to this. We have lost all our immunity to smallpox. We used to be able to, so, okay, we're immune, either because we've been exposed, and this is, again, 200 years ago, grown up with it, or we've been vaccinated. Well, right. nobody's been vaccinated for 40 years. The people who still, the vaccine still has some lingering protection. If your parents or your grandparents still have that little star that came that you can uh, see yeah. from the smallpox, uh, from vaccinia. Um, but it's it's waning, and so the the reason everyone is scared about smallpox is if it got reintroduced, we're essentially back to ground zero with having any protection, any natural immunity to it. Now, do you so, think it's spreading faster than it did historically? No, it, no, I think it's actually spreading. I, I, this current outbreak of monkeypox. Yeah. No, I think it's it's spreading slower. Um, because everybody's in suddenly alerted to it. I mean, the red flag went up very quickly. And as long as you isolate... And it's um, a longer isolation. And it's a longer period. isolation, so that's the problem. Days. Yeah, you got to isolate for at least 21 days. 21. Because it's from... Well, again, these are recommendations, and this is all just a matter of, well, how long should we make it? And at the same time, practically, can someone isolate for that long yeah because um, it's difficult because that well, means I mean, not we working. have a lot more practice now than we did we, we again we do <laughs> for those people that you know took it seriously took COVID seriously this is not going to be anything that they they haven't gone through already and if you live in china uh, and again now you got to have a qr code to go out anywhere in china um so we're 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 ready for it i don't think it will end up being a big deal but at the same time i think there will end up being a lot more cases because for this first month before we said, oh, my gosh, this is monkeypox, the people that were infected were traveling all over yeah, and interacting with their now. friends. Right. 
And so it's in at least 10 states in the United States, and Colorado has two cases, and the second case was clearly a close contact yeah. with the first case. But, um, I mean, the world comes to Colorado. The world comes to Estes Park. Absolutely. We may think we're in absolutely. kind of this bubble yeah. of, of protection yeah. being up yeah. here in the rural mountains, but sure. the fact yeah. is oh no, the world and, is actively coming to Estes Park right now. Correct. And, and I would say within a matter of two or three months, Laramore County probably will report its first case. Uh, and, again... Nothing to freak out about. Um, we have antivirals that we developed for smallpox. We have a vaccine. If it got, it's it's not going is to it, get out is of it control. readily available. Could I go to my no, doctor's you office cannot. and no, say you, you absolutely cannot right now. Yeah. Um, and so it would require um, various companies gearing up production if this became an issue. I don't like it's you know everybody's talking monkeypox and then they put question mark exclamation point like oh my god are you serious about this because this is such an isolated, it happens so infrequently that it's like, no, we, we are not going to have to deal with this. And so I'm not going to scaremonger on this. I mean, right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there will be more cases. So far, there have been no fatalities from this. Monkeypox is less virulent than smallpox. And again, we didn't have that kind of death rate in the United States we had a variant that was circulating in the 1920s and 30s that had 1% mortality. So this is not something to get worked up about. At the same time, this is something to continue washing your hands. This is something to continue, you know, if you have someone who's ill, don't stick around them. Unless you're in the medical profession and can, you know, gown up and, and throw away all that stuff after you've, you know, helped them. Uh, if somebody's saying, hey, I feel really sick and they've got a rash, you might want to say, okay, yeah, you may want to have that checked out yeah. rather than, hey, let me come over and put some cream on that for you. Right. So um, so nothing to worry about yet, but keep an eye on it. Yeah. Um, again, I just don't know <laughs> if we can deal with another, uh, any anything that, that would be an outbreak of anything right now. I think we are just so over it. We're just so tired and so frustrated and so... I. I it won't go away. I'm not saying this is going to go away. In general, these these outbreaks in the and again isolated they have this one just got a bigger head start because there was this rave and so there were a lot more people that that went out and disseminated it. There wasn't just one index case that went back to their country and it was starting to, you know, populate from there. So um, I bet it was a hell of a rave. It sounds like a great and again <laughs> to bring in that many people from that many countries, yeah. And so that's the way life is. We're, we're getting back to where we want to interact socially with, with other folks and, and we want to visit other countries and fly to other places. And so it shows we're a delicate organism. And so we've got rabies that we've just found in a bat in Larimer County. And again, uh, we're not going to get all freaked out about that, but yeah. that means you get to make sure your shots are up to date, make sure that you're um, in your pets and your animals because uh, rabies is not something you want to get. Again, we can we can treat it, but the, the injections, although they're better now, were horrible. Oh, so painful. They had to go into your stomach. Yeah. With, you like remember that? Or yes. And it was just awful. And so I felt bad anytime anybody on hikes or anything when I was going to school got where they in, encountered a bat, it's like, oh, for the please don't have this bat have anything, you know, if they found the, the bat that they interacted with. And with dog bites, too, it's just, gosh, you never want to put a kid through that if they get bitten by it. Find the dog so you make sure it's not rabid. But So we, 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 we plod through, and 
you know, the humans, we thought, oh my God, once we eradicated smallpox, we're on the way towards getting rid of anything that may be um, a concern for us and that proved not to be true. Um, yeah. So we're, we're, we're living in an environment where every day we're exposed to things. And the, here's the problem with isolating as we did with COVID is that we don't get exposed to various stuff. And so now we got weird, the kids are getting weird kind of infections. Yeah, the, the flus are crazy this year and the colds. Right. Hepatitis and they're presenting yeah. it, parainfluenza is presenting at a different time than it normally does because we were for a month not in school. The kids were not in school and the, and the school kids were not bringing home to us some of this crazy stuff. And so when you look at sub-Saharan Africa, when you, I always keep bringing up Haiti. Haiti does not have a COVID problem. They got a lot of other problems, but because they're exposed to, so, because they're, you know, just living so close to, to the earth there in Haiti, they, they can... It's like kids playing in the dirt. You build up a natural community. You would say that right there. Yeah. It is. Um, and so we, we've become so pristine and so clean in, in the United States and so, you know, put some Lysol on that, that we, we are going to find ourselves dealing with some bizarre stuff. And so <clears throat> antibiotics are great. We overprescribe them. Antivirals are, we're, we're working hard and ultimately we'll have great antivirals and we'll be back on top again. But right now, these past couple of years have showed us we're not preeminent. We can be, you know, bested by things that are fairly small and insignificant. So that is a historic trend that we see where, where once you have, say, a pandemic come through, then you have kind of this blossoming of other things that happen sure, sure. after that. Yeah, yeah. And one thing that happens 10 years and 15 years down the line is that we get some, you know, some, some, some let's say, 20-year-old, 30-year-old, 15-year-old kids that lost a grandparent to COVID. Now suddenly they've got some motivation to go and do some research yeah. that's personal and 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 says, I want to find the answer to this so I don't, because I was impacted myself. And so they get some more energy and they start, you know, working harder and they spend later nights and they, so, so this will drive better science and better research. And that's what failed us in COVID um, because we were sending out mixed messages, we were saying things about kits that maybe were contaminated, and so people that were skeptical to begin with latched onto that very quickly and said, well, I don't believe any of this, and so I'm just going to do what I'm going to do, and, and, and so it turned out that COVID was, you know, it was bad for people that were, had other risk factors, but by and large, the, the younger people especially just kind of sailed through it, and so Gosh, I get on social media now and I see, you know, anytime anybody brings up anything like Boulder County's back in high risk, Jackson County's back in high risk, we're going to be in high risk at the end of this week. We've got 13% um, positivity rate for tests for coronavirus. And it's just like, come on, I'm over this. I'm done with this. You guys are way too concerned about something that's not concerning. And I'm hopeful that hospitalizations won't increase. And again, that we won't well, have... I mean, it kind of almost becomes yeah. like our, our household flu. Right, right. Yeah, and right. and, and ultimately, like, oh, I got COVID that, again. that's what we're turning it into. And we're saying, and that's what's going to happen. And we're going to get COVID now through our lives five or six times. Every three or four years, we're going to get COVID again. And that's what it's become. And again... Maybe we can just be cynical and say, well, that was going to be it from the beginning, so why did we even try? It was just this case, again, because we had things in our past like, like, like smallpox. 
gosh, maybe if we vaccinated enough people, we could get this thing and just hold, you know, put our foot on its neck and just squash it. It didn't happen. And, you know, everybody's handing out blame. The fact is the virus was smarter than us. And we, again, have to go back to the Still adapting. I mean, it's really good at adapting. (laughs) But I guess that's the whole nature of viruses. The whole nature of it is, sure. Anytime we, we mount some defense, the things that escape that defense are suddenly the, the ones that now are going to cause us problems. So it's this constant counterattack, and it's just, it's crazy yeah, how... Life finds a and, way. Yep, and, and again, we, we emerged, and we won, if you want to say that, but we're still, you know, people are still dying, and, and 96-year-old in Fort Collins died yesterday. So it, it's... You know, none of us get out older, of here alive. None of us get out of it alive, and older people, of course, are going to die from something. Yeah. It's just too bad that now we've put, you know, COVID into that mix, where it used to be pneumonia. Pneumonia yeah. was, was the older people's friend. That was their best friend. It was, it was an easy, gentle way to go. On a ventilator is not an easy... No. You know, gasping for breath is not. Um, and with monkeypox, uh, again... What happens ultimately if you were immunosuppressed or immune compromised or you have other reasons like you're being treated for cancer um, is that you get multi-organ failure. If, if, if monkeypox acts like smallpox, you get multi-organ failure, uh, you get hypotension, um, it goes into your bone marrow, it goes into your liver, and so ultimately you're just, but you go into a shock and so your body just yeah. collapses. So that's a bad thing. So you want to avoid that. So if you get any kind of rash that is especially concentrated on your face and distally on your arms or legs, you should go to the doctor. Um, and don't mess around with it. Just don't, no, don't mess around. Again, you're going to have fever. You're going to have lassitude. You're going to have headaches. The interesting thing that, that distinguishes a little bit um, pox viruses from other viral infections are you get lymph node swelling and it's okay. December, it's 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 in various locations so under your arms or in your groin area not necessarily right under the jaw or can be in you know just if you start to get those discrete distant places that have lymph node swelling you, again another reason just to, get to go yeah, yeah. Um, but at this point i would say you still need to be more worried about coronavirus than you do about pox virus um, there, there will be more cases in the United States, in Colorado. Um, there will be a lot more hype and hysteria because it gets clicks. Um, you can check my website because if it gets bad, I will be updating every few days. And what's your website? It's called EP Garbage. And so just go to EP Garbage because <laughs> all these viruses to me are just garbage. Um, and so if it becomes something, I'll, I'll start you know, collecting the data um, we'll get dashboards that are up that the CDC will provide or that Johns Hopkins, they do a great job of having dashboards. So the, the, the most important thing is if it hits Larimer County, keep your, wash your hands, socially distance. If you're ill, if you have any kind of illness, stay home until you get hygiene with laundry and just. Oh, gosh, yes. And again, you know, this is all about these are my sheets. These are my towels. You know, you use your own if you're in a household. This is so far down the line, we, we don't even have to yeah. worry about this, but it's just the kinds of things that you need to be thinking about um, because it, it definitely is on surfaces and lasts longer than COVID on surfaces. Pox viruses, uh, much bigger, um, almost visible through a microscope, they're so big. 
And so they're just a little hardier because they're double-stranded DNA. DNA tends to uh, be better surviving on surfaces than RNA. RNA is fairly labile, so it can be the sun could you know knock it out. But with DNA viruses, they can they can hang on for weeks. And so again, go back to your cleaning regimen and and go back to where your bedding is not shared with your you know in the same wash with your children's or something like that. If it becomes an issue again, Jason, I appreciate your you're bringing this to people's attention. It's getting way too much hype in Europe right now because all the tabloids in the UK love to put the pictures up and love to put the scare up. Um, and so I think it's something that we can just watch and say intermediate risk right now, not a big deal. We will get more cases. Um, be aware, don't freak out. Be don't aware. Panic. We got other problems that are more pressing right now with guns in schools and things like that um, that are going to end up, you know, taking more lives than monkeypox will. Right. Uh, and as you said, there's no vaccine, so there's no reason to get worked up. There is. There's. There's not yeah, clinically we're just, we're available. Not it, up it won't for it be. Um, so yeah, there, there right. is treatment. You don't have to to sit at home and you know not leave your house. So, well, again, thanks for for coming on. Before we let you go, is there anything you wanted to add that we didn't? touch on um just you know historically um it's one of those it's one of those things that it's fun to read about because um it was it was definitely a challenge to our to our being and also to our our medical knowledge and so we got it confused with syphilis back in the 1600s that was the large pox. That's the corresponding, you know, this is the alternate, this is the small pox. So, and, you know, there's crazy people back then that were giving themselves syphilis to see, you know, here's how does it present. That, that didn't and work out very well in the long run. God, the guy who did it, he gave himself, he had a mixture of, of gonorrhea and syphilis that he gave himself. So, again... These, these pioneers that were doing medicine back then and, you know, tasting urine and all this stuff, they, they were putting themselves at great risk. But the idea was, let's, you know, scientifically, let's advance and see what's like not the biohackers we have today. It's the <laughs> historical version of a biohacker. It's exactly, you're exactly right. Um, and so they did advance medicine as soon as we kind of, you know, separated out, okay, here's the problem with, with what you just did, is that it wasn't a pure solution that you were injecting yourself with. And the same way with this this whole vaccinia thing that's like, oh, we're injecting you with cowpox, and it turns out it was horsepox because they were, you know, culturing this on the flank of a calf and stuff, and they just, they didn't keep good records, and so it's no fun controls. now. We can do all this kind of, of study, and we can extract DNA from mummies. We can extract DNA from embalmed, you know, people in cold places. So we're sequencing smallpox now from 700 and 800, um, yeah, AD, uh, and comparing it to the modern strains. So it's 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 exciting for that reason. I mean, I hate that people have monkeypox. But the sequence, which is 200,000 base pairs, which is an immense size, used to be, oh, oh my God, that would take you two or three years to do that, was done in a matter of hours. And we have the, 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 the sequence from someone who attended that rave right there, in full, out there for everyone to see and share. And we've got a genetic tree that says, okay, well, that came is closely related to this strain from 1974. So this is not brand new. DNA viruses tend not to mutate very quickly. 
So, um, you know, just a few changes. This is not like Corona and we've got to worry about, oh my God, here's a mutation that's going to evade our vaccines or here's a mutation that's going to be more infectious. Ploddingly slow with DNA viruses. So it's just whatever's inherent in them that was inherent in 700 or 800 AD is still going to cause us problems, but we at least um, know what the problem is and can very quickly uh, send off any sample you have from any pustule to a lab. And get the answer, uh, and that's one reason, as I say, why we're clearly better on top of this one than we would have been if this would have been in the 1970s or 1980s. So you know, all right, good well, in that respect. Thank you again for coming on. These conversations are always very enjoyable. So uh, yeah, appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, well, thank you, and so stay well. All right, folks. Well, that is the podcast for today. Sorry, I'm a little dour, man. It's just, it's just one shooting after another, after another, after another. This, this just killing. It's like the world's gone crazy. Whether it's in neighborhoods or schools or hospitals or countries that are being invaded. It's like we've forgotten our humanity again. Just gets to me. Anyway, um... What else we got coming up this week? I got a breakdown of the school board allegations with that attorney. I'll be putting that out probably tomorrow or Saturday. And then I am going to get to that red boxes of mafia kids and my mostly true tales, which are little snapshots of my, my, uh, my adventurous life. And, uh, that's that, that talks about a summer. I spent the summer after my senior year. I spent in Jersey City, New Jersey, right outside New York City, with my cousins and uh, the trouble we got into there. All right. Well, stay safe out there, everyone. The world's a crazy place right now. Tell everyone you love just how much you love them. You never know when you won't have a chance to do it again. All right. You've been listening to the Colorado Switchblade. And as always... I'm your host, Jason Van Tatenhove, and I'll talk with you again soon.